Proverbs 18, 16 says, A person's gift makes room for him and leads him before important people. In the New Testament, Paul writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1, 6 and 7 and says, I remind you to, and catch this phrase, I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, a spirit of timidity, but of power, of love, and of self-discipline. This series about being born to give is about the real you that's invested by God or hidden in your gifts. And when you realize that God has put his gifts in your life and you begin to seek him for them to come forth and to develop and to step out and use those gifts, the real you will begin to emerge. And guess what? As it says in Proverbs, life will make room for you. A person's gift makes room for them. And that's why Jesus said, it is far more blessed to be a giver than a receiver. You want to see the breakthrough in your life? Go from sitting around waiting to receive and go out and be a giver. Give what God has put in you and watch the world, watch life part and reveal the place that God has called you to. God is wanting to call forth givers that he's put gifts in each and every one of you. And from those givers, God sends leaders out into the world. You see, the world looks for a different type of person to lead them. But in the kingdom of God, God calls servants, givers, to be leaders. And so we've been looking at some of the qualities that make us leaders. We've talked about purpose. We've talked about passion. Last week, it was integrity and trust. This week, I want to share with you a quality that you cannot be truly a giver who is becoming a leader in your world, in your family, in your surrounding, if you don't have courage. Everyone say courage. courage. I've went out and uh, gathered two definitions uh, that I found on courage in various dictionaries, and I'll share them with you right now. The first is mental or moral strength to venture. Get in your mind the idea of surging forward. See the intrepid explorers during the age of discovery in the 1500s and 1600s that uh, launched out and they ventured out. So mental or moral strength to venture, to persevere and withstand danger, fear, or difficulty. The second definition is similar and it says, the ability to do something that you know is right or good, even though it's dangerous, frightening, or very difficult. Here are some synonyms of the word courage. Bravery, daring, intrepidness, fearlessness, and one of my favorites, spirit. To have spirit, to have courage. I like that one because it really um, shows that true courage comes from a deep place within us. It comes out of our spirit. Oftentimes, trials and crushing experiences come. The enemy is in those trials, but God is also in the midst of those trials. Not that he brings uh, uh, bad things, not that he causes evil to come upon us, but in every test that life throws against us, the enemy is there riding that test, trying to push you into fear. 
But at the same time, God is always there in that situation trying to call you out. Trying to call out of your spirit the reaction instead of that which would come out of your emotion or your mind. And that is courage. So Christian courage is the decision to think and to act in accordance with the gift and vision that God is giving you in spite of the dangers, fears, and difficulties that may arise against it. Now, if your life is primarily guided by the principle, avoid danger and minimize risk, and your motto is safety first, then the message that I'm going to share with you this morning is going to invade your safe space. <laughs> and it is going to challenge your comfort zone. So I just want to issue a warning to begin with. And the reason is, is that no matter how desirable it is to live in peace and, and safety and have uh, your days and nights in, night, in harmonious bliss, um, it is important, and we all want that, and we love that. And if I could just digress for a moment and say, you know, uh, show me somebody who has actually been in conflict in their life, has walked in dangerous places, has stared down danger, and has been in tumult. And I'll show you somebody who treasures and loves peace, loves safety, and appreciates it. But no matter how important it is to live in safety and to have that peace, let me tell you this morning that you cannot fulfill the call of Jesus Christ without stepping into the line of fire. Nobody can avoid the line of fire if you're going to follow Jesus. Following Jesus is going to lead you into direct confrontation with all of those barriers of resistance that I listed in the definitions of courage. God said to Joshua, Have not I commanded you, be strong and be courageous. Do not be frightened, do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. He didn't say, don't feel fear and don't feel discouragement. He said, don't be afraid and don't become discouraged. You can't help feeling those things. But you can certainly decide that you're not going to be what you feel. And so why did God command Joshua? I am ordering you, do not be afraid and do not get depressed. Because I'm with you wherever you go. God was speaking that to Joshua, and as a command, he made it because, in essence, he was saying, my gift in you is about to lead you into dangerous places, and you're going to take other people with you, and you're going to need courage to go there. If you lose your courage, you won't go there. And if you remember, 40 years before, they tried to cross that river into the land of Canaan. The spies came back and scared everybody, telling them about the giants. They weren't lying. They were telling them, this is what you're going to face. And the people became afraid, and God had to turn them away. Because he knew their fear would have gotten them all killed. You see, the difference between whether you don't just end your life, but whether you end living 
rather than having laid down in life and already died long before your body falls over, is whether you are going to have courage in your life to push the envelope and to resist the limitations that life puts before you in the pursuit of the things that God has shown you and what he's put in your life. There's a reason why in the scriptures that I shared with you that Paul wrote to Timothy, there's a reason why God is telling you to fan into flame the spiritual gift I have given you. And why he's telling you, have not, uh, I have not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-discipline. The reason that God is saying that to you this morning and to me is because God is speaking to you as a leader. He's not just talking to Joshua. It's in the If this were just a letter to Joshua, it would have never made it into the Bible. Why is it in the Bible? Because it was going to end up on your desk. Because it's a letter to you. When Paul wrote to Timothy, don't dismiss what he said and say, well, Timothy was the first bishop or the first pastor of the church of Ephesus, and that's why God's re we're reading a novel. We're reading a history book. No, you're reading God's love letters, his manual for life to you. These things are being spoken to you because God is talking to you as though you were a leader because that's who he's called you to be. That's the gift that he's put within you is designed for you to rise up and to be a leader. So he's talking to you as a leader about your gift. And there's one thing about leaders. Leaders love adventure. A true leader, their life is an adventure. That's how they see their life. Um, I'd like to look for a moment, one of my favorite people in the Bible is Gideon. I'd like to look for a moment at, at the call of Gideon. Because in my mind, Gideon is a lot like you and I. God's called him to be a leader, to do great things that he has no idea. And so when the Lord first calls him, he is completely um, uh, controlled by the mentality of the world around him. And uh, he has a very hard time accepting. But but Gideon is a profile in courage. And Gideon needs to become your story. In Judges chapter 6, the angel of the Lord finds Gideon and he's in a wine press hiding from the Midianites who've invaded the land and occupy Israel. And he's trying to uh, beat out a few grains of, of wheat to get some, some uh, 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 flour so that he can make a little food for his family. And the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon and said to him, the Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, Please, sir, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? Gideon continues, he says, But now the Lord has forsaken us and has given us into the hand of Midian. So he starts telling God about the problems that they're having. But then the Lord himself turned to Gideon and said, Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you. So Gideon complains about what's going on in the world around him. And God says to him, I have sent you. Go and change that situation. 
Hail, mighty man of valor. Well, Gideon had a hard time believing that God had really called him and that, and that, that what was true was true, that he really was a mighty man of valor. But in the next few days, and actually beginning that very day and that very night, Gideon tested that call, and he took little steps of courage, and he set out a fleece, and he, he entered into a few situations, and God worked it out with him so that he could kind of put some training wheels on it and, and test it and see if God really was with him. And so through each of those little tests and those little fleeces, um, Gideon realized that, that, wow, God really is with me. In little ways, he saw victories, and God was showing him, in the same way that I was with you in these situations, I'll be with you when you take on the 300, 400,000-man army of the Midianites. You know, I want to say to you this morning that you don't know what you really have until you've stepped out of your safe place and risked failure to try out your gift. Sitting in church week after week and saying, Lord, please show me what I am. What, I'm, what am I supposed to do? Is not going to get you any farther, any closer to understanding what God has for you. It's literally in the stepping out that you discover what God has put inside of you. In fact, I would say that a gift isn't a gift until it's given. So if yours is buried, untested in the backyard of your heart, do you actually really possess it? If a gift isn't really a gift until somebody has given it, then what is it? It's potential. And many of us have potential waiting to be turned into gifts. Can you say praise the Lord? Now look, when your gift inspires courage to fearlessly try new ideas. How many of you had this past week or two a new idea about something? Did a thought come? Yeah. Wow, a couple of people, new ideas. Do you intend to do anything about those ideas? Or are you waiting for, are you going to act on them? Is there a plan? You see, when God gives new ideas, the next step is having the courage to devise a plan, to implement it, to do something, to step out and to test that ideas. When the gift inside of you inspires courage to fearlessly try new ideas and to boldly confront challenges, how many of those ideas get stuffed right back down in the bottle the minute you see, oh, well, there's no way this is going to work because I don't have any money or because so-and-so got sick or because... Um, they're not going to receive this, or all, whatever the resistance might be. We come up against challenges. But when you boldly confront those challenges without being afraid that you're going to fail, because you know that if you fail, you're going to recover. Hey, how many of you know that if you step out in the thing that God's put in your heart, in the vision or the gift that God's put in you, and you fall flat on your face, that doesn't mean that he didn't put it there. It doesn't mean you weren't right to step out. The Bible says, though the righteous fall seven times, they get up again. And so you don't allow fear of failure. The, the, the failure is just an opportunity to learn better. Is that true? Hallelujah. Glory to God. So it's literally 
When you allow courage to cause you to step out like that, it's turning you into the leader that Jesus intended you to be when he put that gift in you. But to just sit and wait for something to happen, it's never going to develop. Just like Gideon, it took the acts of courage that you step out of your safe place to do those acts of courage that's what it takes to discover who you really are. Your courage in stepping out in faith to develop your gift and vision is what makes you you. How many of you would like to be you? I am me. There ain't no other me than me. Neither will there ever be. Not everybody. Not everybody is the me that they are. Matter of fact, most people are a composite of other people's opinions, the experiences that they have had in life, and the things that they have allowed to shape them. The real you that's on the inside is a gift that God put in there, ready to be developed and to come up. But it takes courage for you to discover who God has made you to really be. God introduced himself to many people in the Bible. He told them who they were, Gideon, Abraham, Peter. Have you ever noticed that every time God introduced himself to somebody, he told them who they were. Then he gave them a vision for what he wanted them to do with the gift that he had put in their life. And oftentimes he changed their name to help them to embrace that vision and that idea. But I have to say to you that it was, it was not just their encounter with God, but it was later when they stepped out in the thing that God had showed them and they showed courage that they actually discovered themselves and discovered who they were. Gideon was not the mighty man of valor just because God said it to him. He didn't become the mighty man of valor until he stepped out in faith till he sold everything and took up his cross and followed Jesus. We sing about things like this, but how many of us in our life have actually done those things or continue to do them on some kind of a regular basis? How many of us continue to sacrifice self in order to let that true disciple that gift that God has put in us, rise up and live and become the person God's called us to be. Discovering the leader that God's called you to be is actually the process of discovering yourself. And that process is not a process of analysis. It's a process of action. What I'm trying to say to you this morning is nobody has ever become themselves by thinking about it. Even if those thoughts are accurate. Even if those thoughts are thinking about a dream that God gave you or scriptures that you read about yourself, I'm not discounting those things. I'm not saying this morning we shouldn't look into the Word of God and see what it says. I'm not saying that we shouldn't hear what the Lord is saying, but everything God says to us in His Word, every dream, every vision, every gift He puts in us is to be activated. It's in the taking of action that we discover ourselves, not in the receiving of those visions, the analysis, or the thinking about them. Listen, in Luke chapter 9, 
Jesus gave the disciples, the Bible says, power and authority over demons. And he sent them out to preach and told them to leave all their stuff at home. He sent them out without provision, without money, without food, without weapons to protect themselves, sent them out two by two, and he told them, giving them instructions what they were to do. And he sent them out like that because he wanted to create a situation where they would find out who they were with God's gift inside of them. We often say that Jesus sent out the disciples so that they could find out who he was. But they were finding out who he was. Jesus didn't come to be a billboard so that the world could see, I'm Jesus, I am the Son of God, I am the Savior. He came so that the world could see him in themselves. A Savior is one that enters the life of someone who's lost and shows up in you as a living billboard. It was important for the disciples to step out and to take courage and find out that even though they went defenseless and without any provision, God provided for them. And even when people rejected them and kicked them out and it seemed like a failure, they had a success the next place they went. They came back, the Bible says in Luke chapter 10, rejoicing and saying, Lord, even the devils are subject to they didn't say subject to you, they said subject to us. That's very important because that's what God is wanting to do in you and I. Of course the devil is subject to Jesus. There's never been a question. Jesus didn't come to make the devil obey him or to subjugate the devil to him. He came to give power and authority to men and women and they would discover why God had created them and who God had created them to be. The whole purpose of your getting saved is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He didn't need to create more glory for himself. His purpose was to put that glory in you. And so listen, the disciples came back and they rejoiced because they had acted in courage. I'm sure they were afraid. I'm sure they were nervous. I'm sure their feelings got hurt when people cussed them out of the door and said, get out of here, and, and when, they, when they weren't received. But they came back seeing their own experiences in God. They came back realizing who they were in Christ. They saw the gifts of God operating in their life. And the Bible says they rejoiced. And you want to know something? Jesus didn't say, now you guys calm down. Just calm down because I, I think this could lead to spiritual pride. And so we want to be careful. The glory isn't for you. The glory is for me. The Bible says Jesus joined them and started leaping for joy himself. Jesus leapt for joy. And he said, Father, thank you. They're discovering who they are. He said, thank you, Lord, that you have hidden this from the wise and prudent and revealed it to babes. Revealed what? Revealed Christ in you, the hope of glory. Revealed what God is doing in you. Jesus danced. It's one of the only times that I can think about in the record of the gospel that Jesus got excited, started hopping around on one foot and going, oh, hallelujah, thank you, Father. They are discovering who they are in Christ. Somebody say praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Let me tell you this morning that Jesus rejoices over you. 
when you exercise the courage to build your own experiences in faith, hallelujah, and not just go around with other people's testimonies. You know, I love reading books. I love uh, reading the testimonies of others. But I'll tell you when I get excited is when I read something that relates to me. When I read something that I think, oh, I can do that. Oh, I've done that. Hallelujah. The only reason why there's testimonies is so that you can go out and build your own testimony. God doesn't want you to go out and try to beat the devil and overcome him with the testimonies of other people, but with your own testimony. Amen. It's what Jesus is doing in you and me. Amen. That's why we need courage. Hallelujah. So we can tell our story, not somebody else's story. In Matthew chapter 9 and verse 14, the Bible talks about Jesus walking on the waves. And the, dis the disciples saw him and they were afraid and they were scared. He said, be not afraid, it's me. Peter said, if that's really you, I'd like an opportunity to test my faith. And invite me to come and walk to you on the water. Jesus said, Good, come on. Let me say it again. Jesus said, you want to test your faith? Great, come on. You know, if all of them had said, oh, I want to test my faith too, he said, you come too. Y'all come, come on. Do you think that Peter failed? Peter succeeded. The moment he climbed over the side of that boat, he was a winner. He separated himself from everybody else. The difference between Peter and everyone else in the boat is that he had courage. Right. Now, they had the potential to have courage, but they didn't. You know, it's not a testimony till you testify. You can sit around on the greatest testimony the world's ever heard, but you don't have a testimony until you testify. Do you understand? You don't have a gift till you give it. You don't have a testimony till you testify. There's nothing in you till it comes out. Are you listening? So instead of sitting and thinking, well, you know, I'm a Christian. I really don't understand how I'm significant or different or make a major contribution. Start contributing and give. Start where you are and let God use you. Pour out what God has put in you, and you will discover who you are. You find out. I heard one time somebody said a lot of years ago, look, you want to know about sailing? Launch your boat, and I'll get it and teach you. But you're going to sit on this shore and just take a whole bunch of classes. You're never going to learn about sailing. Amen? And I think that that's one of the problems with churches, that we just come to learn more stuff. I hope this morning that what you're going to do is you're going to go out and say, oh, man, you know what? This week is going to be a week of doing. This week is going to be a week of courage. Hallelujah. So Jesus was eager to, listen to me, authenticate Peter's faith. He said, come on. And God is ready to authenticate your testimony when you step out in courage. Now when Paul said in Romans, for I am persuaded, he was not writing a theological article. He was testifying. I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth or any else 
in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. When he said that, it was his own testimony of persuasion. God wants you to have a testimony of persuasion. He wants you to have a dialogue of certitude. We have heard these past couple of weeks the concept of truth under attack. Nobody can say for certain what truth is. We have watched in the months and recent years in our culture and our society the concept of absolutes and certainty coming under attack. Nobody can say there's truth for certain. But God wants to give his people a testimony of certainty. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? amen? The Lord in Revelation chapter 12 and verse 11 says, They overcame the devil and defeated him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. Jesus wants to authenticate the testimony of your courageous faith with his blood. We claim the blood of Jesus, but if you really want to see the power of the blood, step out in courage. Build your testimony. Act in faith. And watch the power of the blood come upon your testimony. Watch the living God authenticate your testimony. You know, if you read the book of Acts, those acts of courage were not museum pieces. They were not perfectly scripted scenes in a beautiful Hollywood drama. They were down and dirty. They were ugly. They were awkward. They were weird at times. They didn't always go in a controlled fashion. Sometimes there's great messes when we step out and make a difference. The fact is that God is in control. He's put a gift on the inside, and when we step out in faith, He's there. And if you start to sink, He'll pick you up. He picked Peter up, walked him back to the boat. I don't think, I don't see Jesus walking on the water, drag, got, got Peter's wrist, dragging Peter underwater while he's gulping, trying to grab air, dragging him back to the boat. Come on, you deserve, I'm, I'm going to waterboard your, uh, your sorry uh, self all the way back to this boat. The Bible says he pulled them up. I think they both walked back to the boat. They may even danced a little jig. Who knows? I don't know. But, uh, you know, God was letting... I appreciate the fact that you stepped out. I appreciate the fact that you... Oh, why, when Jesus said, oh, why did you doubt? He wasn't rebuking him. He was saying, oh, man, you were doing so good. Why did you doubt? He was letting him know. The only reason why you sank wasn't because I didn't want you to walk on water. You weren't upstaging me. I was rooting for you. I was pulling for you. Can you hear the Lord speaking to you today to have courage? Our altar call today is very simple. Because it's your testimony of courage that defeats and overcomes the devil in your life, we're going to pray for boldness for you and I. Amen? Amen. A holy boldness to step out and learn. Can I say to you, I had uh, intended to say this, and I, I, I just want to mention it. I think it's, it's important. 
You know, Jesus makes disciples, is that not right? We think that this is where he makes disciples. He brings us all into the classroom, and, and these messages are kind of like Jesus with chalk and a board going, you know, learn this, and here's these principles. I love principles, and I, I'm not stupid, I'm not ignorant, and I, and I believe in using all the brain power you can to absorb all the words you can, but if it never turns into an act of courage, of faith, so that your gift is out there, and you're hiding it in the backyard. At the end of the day, you could be an educated reject being cast into outer darkness, and we don't want that. We want to multiply what God's given us. So Jesus' school of discipleship is not a classroom. In fact, Jesus' school of discipleship is what I would call school of discovery. Everyone say school of discovery. The, Jesus took the disciples on a three-and-a-half-year field trip. They weren't in the classroom. They were on a field trip. And the entire field trip was getting them to go out and do courageous things because he knew the gospel was about to be laid on their shoulders. Hallelujah. And so Jesus is, has you and I on a field trip. And that's the whole purpose is he's trying to get you and I out of the boat and to try these things. Glory to God. And I know you just bought that outfit and, you know, you don't want to get it wet. But you've got to be willing. You've got to be willing to step out. So we're going to pray for boldness this morning. I'd like you to stand up. And uh, listen, I'm not going to ask who believes that because God has put gifts in each and every one of you. And I think during these messages that they've been stirring and you know they've been stirring in you. And I hope you've been seeking the Lord and I hope that your life is, is uh, taking on a, a new focus and that the Lord is stirring an ambition, an ambition within you to try new things, to step out, not to be afraid of failing in the thing that God's... And look, and if you step out and find out, well, this wasn't the direction of the Lord, make a course adjustment. Make a course adjustment. Sometimes I have to say to the Lord, you know, Lord... I know you're calling me, but this wasn't what you wanted me to do. I'm going to back out of this. You're, you're leading me to go over here. Don't keep pushing the same rock up the hill. If that's not the hill, God wants that rock on. And it keeps rolling back down on you. Find the one God wants. Make the adjustment. The Lord will work with you.